find yourself living in your garden shack. And you may find yourself not at home in your home. And you may find yourself looking for your large automobile. And you may find yourself without a beautiful house, without a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Hello and welcome to Tea Hanks for Memories, I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about A Hologram for the King and I know what you're saying, you're saying, what is this film? I've never heard of this film. Well that's for good reason, because it was released on April 22nd 2016 and you're saying, Darren, that sounds like a familiar date. Well yes, because a week later there was a Captain America film taking over the entire box office so nothing made any money the week before. Um, and this film managed to lose $24 million. It is a box office bomb. It is the lowest grossing Tom Hanks film since Every Time We Say Goodbye, which, as people who've listened will remember, was a film I did not particularly care for. <laughs> Pretty boring. Um, uh, so we'll see if this fits with this. Uh, Tom is getting top billing because, quite frankly, there's barely anybody else in this film. Um, we get one scene with Tom Skerritt. We get the hologram of Ben Whishaw. He literally phones it in for this film. <laughs> And joining me to talk about today, I have returning guest, Antu. Hello, Antu. Hey, Darren. I Just so the listeners know, I'm also phoning it in. <laughs> yes. It's weird because it's like the whole premise of the... I mean, the premise of the film is that this salesman who is like on his last legs goes to sell this like hologram messaging Zoom, basically, to uh-huh. the Arabs. That's, that's, his, that's the premise of the film. And 75% of the film has nothing to do with that and just goes on various misadventures. Um, and apparently some people compared it to Waiting for Godot because obviously the king is never in the country <laughs> so they're never going to do the... But the thing is, you know, uh, there's a joke that some comedian made where he said, you know, he did a very good performance on Broadway. He played Godot in Waiting for Godot. Um, the joke, of course, being for people who've never seen that or don't know what we're talking about, Godot never shows up. That's the whole point. He literally never turns up. Um, and I thought for a moment that that might happen here. I thought we might never get to the actual presentation. We might never see the king because they keep giving him the runaround. Yep. Uh, uh, and I, then it just I happens. Definitely wrote on my notes. Is this a homage to, to for <laughs> waiting for God on? Yeah. yeah. It's like, is he going to show up? And then he he did he does show, spoiler alert he does show up. Uh, at like an hour and 18 minutes in all of a sudden he's there and the scene literally lasts like 30 seconds and then it's done with and I'm like this was the, that was the hologram we were waiting for this was the, anyway <laughs> yeah. we'll get into that um, but this renew this this reunites Tom with um, another Tom uh, Tom Tikwa uh, the German director <laughs> okay um, I thought you were going to go for the scare there but of, of course yeah Tom yeah. was in uh, Cloud Atlas yes he was where he dropped the N-bomb um, oh, in that film, uh, yeah, uh, which along I think also along with Ben Whishaw also dropped the N bomb. Uh, so you know they're both back, the N bomb droppers in this <laughs> yeah. film with Tom Tikwa. Uh, he's brought along <laughs> all of his usual people, so his you know his cinematographer, his editor, and obviously Johnny Klimek, uh does music with him. They also did music for Cloud Atlas. They wrote the whole Cloud Atlas song that appears in that film. Um, and together they, I can't remember what their name of their, they're like, they're like, uh, I don't know. They're, they're, there's like, a, they're, they're called something specifically, but he did, he did the music for, uh, run Lola run, um, uh-huh. and other, other films, not just Tom Tikwa films. Cause obviously they always work together. Um, he also did one hour photo, um, and land of the dead. 
And then also uh, One Missed Call, the re- the American remake, which I think yeah. has got 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I have never seen, despite loving the original J.R. it's based on. I saw that at the cinema. I've never seen the original. Okay. Um, uh, the, the original so is I, incredible, in my opinion. <laughs> well, uh, I only saw it because Shannon Sossaman was in it. Yeah. Um, and I, people may remember as the love interest in A Knight's Tale. Um, yeah, he also has done... Um, uh, I Frankenstein for Stuart Beatty, uh, the famous editor turned director. Uh, Wolf Creek 2 for all those Australians out there. Um, <laughs> and most recently, Matrix Resurrections. Um, him and Tom Tickwood did the music for that because obviously they're also close friends. Yeah, they're uh, all with buddies. the Wachowskis. Yeah, and they did the music for Sensei as well. Um, so he's back here. Um, you know, obviously, this being his second collaboration with, with Tom and Tom, um, the first being um, Cloud Atlas. Um, and like I said, the you know the the same the, like the, literally the editor only edits the films of Tom Tick, where the cinematographer basically only does Tom Tickwer's film. Like they're just his crew, basically. Yep. Um, that, that must be like what, what do they do between gigs? Like that must be a pain in the ass. I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I, like I don't know what the rate is for. Like I mean, I, I'm assuming that like editors and stuff must get residuals yeah, from sure. films. Yeah. So maybe that's what they're living off at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, unless of course Wikipedia is just not giving us the full details of their their work because they, must, they only list they the must stuff like they teach or do some like commercial I'm sh- work. I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they don't teach like cinematography or editing. They teach like other things like <laughs> yeah. uh, you know biology, maths. You know, just things not to do with it. Um, but yeah, we this premiered at the Tribeca uh, on the twentieth of April, and then like I said, twenty second it went for a wide release. It went for a wide release and it missed um, because, yeah, this is like, I think to date, this might be the biggest box office bomb in Tom Hanks's career, okay. apart from the film from last week, which was Ithaca. But Ithaca didn't get a wide release. Yeah. So not really the same. Uh, this is a co-production between France, Germany, the Cayman Islands, Mexico and the United States. Um, and we know this because there are a lot of production company logos at the start and not just Tom's vanity logo. We also have roadside attractions, Saban films, Cineopolis. Uh, I mean, there's just so many X film. There's just like so many different for a film that's only 97 minutes long. There's a lot of production logos yeah. uh, coming up front. Um, but yeah, and obviously, you know, this is again, Ben Wishaw was in uh, Cloud Atlas. Here he is again with Tom playing a hologram Dave the hologram and he's literally only in like one scene <laughs> he's, he's like not playing minutes. a hologram he, he's a human being that is a hologram <laughs> for all intents and purposes he's only in this as a hologram I, um, my my read of that scene is that he was on set for for that day it wasn't like a literal hologram he could have been filming it anywhere he could have been doing the voiceover for Paddington and they could have filmed uh, yeah, it while he was in the that's kind of probably true. Yeah, and then just green screened it in. Uh, we also get Tom Skerritt, the third Tom on this film. He's in one scene playing Ron, uh, Tom Hanks' dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was very confused by uh, Skerritt's appearance. I didn't know, you know, because when he first comes into the movie, uh, you see him from behind, and I'm like, is that Gary Busey? I'm but, like, that wouldn't make sense. Everyone <laughs> calls Gary Busey as Tom Hanks' dad. No, he's that's that's not him. Um, yeah, uh, we have um, in the in the in the kind of the love interest. One of the two love interests um, is Sarita Chowdhury, 
yeah. um, who, you know, has been in a lot of like uh, independent uh, films over the years. Her first film was Mississippi Masala, which is a film I've never heard of, uh, but it's directed by uh, Mirinair and stars you, you Denzel really never Washington. Heard of, of Mississippi Masala? It's like a Denzel no, movie. I, well, I'm, I've not heard of every single Denzel movie, but uh, also, by the way, that's not how you say his name. His name's Denzel. Um, <laughs> I will not say Denzil ever. But but apparently people start people started calling him Denzel in the press, and that's his stage name effectively. Um, she's also in like the House of the Spirits, which was uh, who directed that? Billy August, I think it was. Jeremy Irons, Winona Ryder, Antonio Banderas, uh, Glenn Close, Glenn Close, and Meryl Streep. That's got to be confusing for some people who can't tell the difference between older white women because you know <laughs> they are very similar looking. I no way, Glenn Close is like been rocking the short hair for a while like you wouldn't ever confuse them yeah but this was in the this was the early 90s in the early 90s they they had a similar look um i think you know she's mostly known for being in uh, karma sutra a tale of love based on the book karma sutra um, also Muranair directing that yes yeah you know she obviously has worked with a she's she's english uh with uh, an indian father and an english mother and she was she was born in london um uh, yeah, uh, she's you know there's another a number of other films, um, you know. Mo- I mean, I think most recently, um, I mean, she's in the Accidental Husband, which is known for having the worst film poster of all time, where um, <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Colin Firth look in different directions while an Uma Thurma is, is falling from the air. Okay, I just quickly um, looked at the fo- the poster, and it is terrible. <laughs> yeah, there's like four different versions of the poster and all of them are so badly photoshopped nobody's ever looking in the same direction nor do the shadows match on any of their faces nor do the hands match the people it's crazy um, but yeah, and and I think like kind of the biggest thing that she'd been in before um, Hologram for the King obviously was the, the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 um, but also there was an adaptation of Midnight's Children which uh, didn't do very much business um, but obviously, you know, is uh, Salman Rushdie's kind of big novel before okay, the one I, that got him in trouble. I, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, get that reference at all because I haven't read any Salman Rushdie. You don't know that Salman Rushdie got in trouble for a certain book. I know he got in trouble for a certain book, but I, I, I isn't yeah. that? I thought he got in trouble for the Satanic verses or whatever. That's the one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. But Midnight's Children was his big one. It won the Booker Prize and it it, it won tons of awards around okay. the world and. It was generally, you know, it's, it was what he was known for. Um, yeah, so, you know, Sarita Chowdhury's had like a, you know, a varied uh, a varied thing. You know, last year she was in The Green Knight. Yeah, she, um, she's a, like a working actress. She's she's known. Yeah. She was also in And Just Like That, uh, the sequel to uh, Sex and the City, which was filmed during COVID restrictions. So every person is green screened in oh, on every single set. And it's absolutely unwatchable. And it's just terrible. Um, she was also uh, she was also on Jessica Jones and uh, Homeland. I think is where most people might recognise her from, where she played uh, you know one of the main roles basically for uh, for a few seasons. Um, so yeah, you know she's a she's a good actress, and uh, you know I've seen this playing a doctor. Um, we also have um, for half the film, I would say he suddenly disapp- I mean, you know, he gets into trouble and then he disappears. Yeah, uh, he he the co lead. Yeah, Yusef Yusef is like the comic relief. Um, played by an actor who went by the name Alexander Black for a few years um, before revealing his na- real name is Omar Elba, um, and he did he you know he didn't want to get typecast as ethnic characters basically so he thought that a kind of a more neutrally British sounding name yep. would you know um, help him and it did um, 
but of course it helped to the point where somebody writing a review for hologram for the king was outraged that uh, uh, that they cast somebody as you know uh, an arab who wasn't arab uh, when it turns out he is arab he was just using uh, you know a, a, a kind of a different name um, which I th- which I thought was funny. Uh, like you know, it's nice that they got outraged for the representation. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad think... someone cares because usually people yeah. Hollywood would, would do that in a second. <laughs> and I would say I would say as well. I'm not a fan of the term, but he does kind of pass as somebody who isn't, oh. you know, as Middle Eastern as the other characters. But I think that's because his character is meant to be a kind of lower class, mm-hmm. and so he doesn't wear the same kind of you know the the the, the kind of. Uh, I don't know how to describe them, like the kind of the gingham headdresses and yep. stuff like that. You know, like the the stuff that you expect of kind of Saudis, you know, as they're portrayed um, in media. As um, as someone and, who like uh, I, I, you know, as someone who watches film for the first time tonight, I was like, oh, Darren's going to know all the right terms to refer to, like the, the clothing. <laughs> <laughs> like Muslim culture. They do uh, actually in the film. They do actually say it, don't they? They give Tom yeah. Hanks one, and they say wear that. And I, I can't remember what they said. Yeah, um, I can't but remember to me, it looks like we have tea towels over here that have like a kind of you know checkered pattern on them, and yep. they kind of look like those. Yep. Um, you know, um, but yeah. Uh, interestingly, as well, there is a character in this, uh, the daughter, who appears in like one scene, but then you know she also uh, is emailing back and forth yeah. uh, throughout the proceedings. Um, and she is she is played by uh, an actress called uh, Tracy Faraway. Um, and uh, what I found was interesting is Tracy Faraway was in a film called The Bling Ring, but it's not the one you're thinking of. Um, it's one from 2011. It was a TV movie of the exact same plot that ended yeah. up becoming the 2013 Bling Ring. Um, and in that, the main like boy who kind of gets dragged along to all the burglaries is played by Austin Butler, who will very soon be appearing with Tom in... Um, in the Elvis film, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's also got Sydney Sweeney in there, who obviously has found more fame recently being in um, uh, Euphoria, um, and also Rennie Olmsted, um, and uh, there's a couple of other like kind of uh, you know younger actresses who have been in a, a few things uh, in recent times, and I thought oh, that's you know from 2011, that's quite a good cast. Um, <laughs> okay, I uh, I was watching this film, I'm like, who's Who's Kit? Like, uh, Tracy Fairway, she looks really familiar. And uh, I was looking at her IMDb, I was like, man, this this person looks so familiar. She's in the terrible Hellraiser movie, Hellraiser Revelations. Okay, I mean, I've never seen Hellraiser (laughs) Revelations. She did that the same year as The Bling Ring. Yeah. Um, And she was also in Enough Said with James Gandolfini and um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, two of the biggest TV stars of the early 2000s. Um, and then she, after doing this, um, she, she did a film called Aquarians, and she hasn't done anything since 2017. Um, so I don't know if she's just given up on acting or what the situation. I, is I'm, I'm guessing she's doing the horror cons, living on off that Hellraiser money. You know, just signing yeah, like the ninth Hellraiser film, whatever <laughs> that was. Um, we get very briefly uh, Jane Perry, uh, yeah. another. English actress, uh, I think I'm not Canadian, uh, think, but she has. I think a she's based voice. in the UK, though. Well, I, I mean, I think that because she is the voice since Hitman Absolution of yeah. Diana in Hitman. Um, yeah, I, I, I was really excited to see her in there. I was like, oh, that's Shane <laughs> Perry. Oh. Yeah, and then she she's in one scene and she basically yells, "Sell the fucking house," and then, <laughs> yeah. and then that's it. That's like never see great... her again. That'd be like a great bit part. You're like, I get to curse at Tom Hanks. I, I play his ex-wife. I'm in like one scene or whatever. 
Yeah, she was also in um, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, which is, uh, I mean, I mean, possibly the worst film that Simon Pegg's ever been in. <laughs> okay, I, 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 it seemed like a film that's up my alley, but I, I never caught it back in the day. Well, the thing is, it's based on the life of Toby Young, and Toby Young is an obsequious Tory boy, and okay. I don't even know why Simon Pegg did the film. Um, but it does have Kirsten Dunst in. Probably that's why he did the film because he gets to kiss Kirsten Dunst and Megan Fox. Um, it was like that and, was like he's. This was like his early period of like, hey, I'm doing movies now. I'm a star. It's like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I not just that. the guy in stuff with my friend. I'm also <laughs> in directed by my other friend. I'm also in other films that aren't yeah. directed by my friends. Um, yeah, How to Lose Friends and Alien People, directed by Robert B. Whitey, whose name everyone will know from the Curb Your Enthusiasm memes, because yeah. his is the name that comes up. He did Seinfeld stuff as well, right? He did, yes. Yeah. He, he's done a lot of stuff, but that's where, if you say Robert B. Whitey, most people wouldn't know his name, but as soon as you show them the, you the, know, the, the end credits, <laughs> yeah, people would, would immediately see that, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, don't watch that film. Although Kirsten Dunst is in it, and she's also in both versions of the Bling Ring. Uh, one playing herself, another playing party goer, which is I, I mean, I, that's okay. Um, so is she herself but, in the Coppola version, or she's herself in the Sofia Coppola one? Because okay. obviously she's friends with Sofia Coppola, but she's somebody else in the TV movie from 2011, which stars Austin Butler, soon to be Elvis in your cinemas. Um, and I, I, it's weird because, like, I was thinking, oh, he was like an unknown. Um, he he kind of no, is, apparently. Like, well, he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and the dead don't die. And, okay, okay. And I guess. And also, Sharpay's fabulous adventure, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he won he won the he won the part over many people, and he yeah, also many, went out with well, Vanessa. Way more established people. Yes, uh, he and also he went out with Vanessa Hudgens from 2011 to 2020. So, um, for for the most wow. part, he was Jeez. Vanessa Hudgens' boyfriend, um, and he will be in June Part Two playing the uh, role that was originally played by Sting. Oh, um, okay. So we'll we'll see how Austin Butler fares having done both Elvis and June Part Two, um, and if it makes him into a big time star, uh, which I don't know that it will. Um, but yeah, the the person who wrote the novel that this film was based on, because of course Tom Hanks is in his period of life where he cannot do anything original. It either has got to be based on a book or based yeah. on a real person. And in this particular case, it's based on a book that was written by Dave Eggers. Um, Dave Eggers and Tom Hanks met when he was producing uh, Where the Wild Things Are in 2009. And Dave Eggers adapted the book into the screenplay. Mm. Um, and I have, I've got like a book that's like the behind the scenes of um, Where the Wild Things Are. That's like, uh, it's really weird. It's like in, it's like three parts. You have like a, you, when you fold it out, it's like a little two triangles. It's very, very, it's a yeah. weird book. Um, but it's got lots of interesting behind the scenes stuff about how they did all the different monsters. Uh, also, of course, stars um, James Gandolfini. Um, As, uh, uh... Co-star of Enough Said with... Uh, <laughs> The girl who plays the daughter in this. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, you know, they've worked before. Uh, but yeah, so obviously Playtone produced that. Tom Hanks was, was on there and, and he'd met Dave Eggers. Dave Eggers gave him like an early copy of this book. You know, he read it and was like, let's turn it into a film. Um, the, the book only came out in 2012, but the, the, the rights for it were, you know, bought straight away. And uh, 2013, I think they announced they were going to start making this film. They mm -hmm. filmed it in 2014. 
Um, and then it took, you know, until mid-2016 before it finally came out. Um, and then it bombed, hugely. <laughs> Made absolutely no money. So... Uh, most of it was filmed in Morocco. Uh, there are parts of it that were filmed in Egypt, um, obviously for the sand and what have you. Um, <laughs> and also there was some stuff that was done in Germany, uh, which is most of the kind of... The, the, Do you the, think the, they shot in Mecca at all? Because they mentioned driving through it. Yeah, no, They there's some stuff that was filmed in Riyadh, but uh, yeah, the, the shots in Mecca are just like... Um, stock footage effectively like well they did go out there and shoot stuff but you know okay you know not they didn't they didn't shoot on site uh interestingly uh released the same week as this because i was thinking to myself 2016 what came out obviously you know i think captain america winter soldier was like the week after this uh but before it was the (laughs) huntsman winter's war the sequel to snow white and the huntsman um and also on this on the same day as this elvis and nixon um, you know, uh, I, so wait that I, that that didn't get a wide release over here, so I I didn't know that was the thing. I guess. Yeah, it's about the time that Elvis Presley, played by Michael Shannon, met <laughs> Kevin Spacey, played as who's playing Richard Nixon. Yeah. Uh, in December twenty first, nineteen seventy, they met because obviously Elvis was not really a good person. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't. Uh, I think people he... went nuts for him, but like. You know, I'm, and obviously I'm going to have to see the film Elvis, but really, if we're if we're if we're going is, around is talking about people, is the new Elvis film? Do you think? Because that was a pretty famous uh, moment when they. Met I mean, himself. it'd be interesting to see who they t- who they casted him. If 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 it was me, I would bring back Anthony Hopkins uh, <laughs> or Dan Hedaya from Dick. You know, um, Dan Hedaya or Anthony Hopkins. One of those guys. Is, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're both too old now, wouldn't you say? Or... Hey, put a, put a ton of prosthetics on them. They've, they've yeah, done it to Tom in that film. Um, for only the second time, Tom Hanks is playing a Tom. Um, <laughs> pre- and also, his character is dead. Not in the film Elvis, but obviously in real life. In real life, yeah. And the last time he played a Tom, he was also dead because it was in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. So... Oh. Or extremely close and incredibly loud. I can never remember which way around all that stuff goes. Um, but yeah, uh, so, but, you know, that's all the background. That's everything that we need to talk about, you know, pre uh, what happens in the film. Um, and the film opens up with Tom doing his own version <laughs> yeah. of a Talking Head song and changing the lyrics so that then, like, the, how he, they're about how he's lost his house and he's lost his wife. It- and he's living in not not a shotgun shack, but living in his like shed in shed. his back garden because he can't afford the house. Uh, um, do you do you think that's how the book started off with quoting the Talking Heads? Or uh, I don't know. Uh, and as with pretty much every single adaptation of Tom Hanks stuff, I haven't read any of the books uh, upon which they are based. So. Um, but it would be weird if it if there was just like one page of just the words the same as it ever was, um, <laughs> written over and over again. Uh, um, <laughs> this whole bit made me think like uh, Tom Hanks is a pretty decent singer, you know, and I think he can pass for David Byrne vocally speaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that this is the third best version of Once in a Lifetime ever recorded. The first being, of course, uh, the version recorded by Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the second being the Talking Heads version. Right, yeah. um, and then this. This is a close third. Um, but yeah, and we see him on like a roller coaster 
uh, just like making no expressions, just saying the words same as it ever was. Um, and that quickly smash cut because uh, Tom Tikwa isn't wasted any time to Tom on a plane with a bunch of people praying yeah. in Arabic. Um, he's on a Muslim plane. Um, as <laughs> the, the plane is not Muslim, he's on, <laughs> he's on a plane with majority Muslim passengers. Yes, Samuel Jackson would say, "What's with all these mother effing Muslims on this mother effing plane?" <laughs> um, and the answer is, they're going to yes, uh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, and yeah. So I mean, how are we feeling about like the idea that obviously uh, Tom Hanks is playing a sad sack again after uh... you know? <laughs> I thought I mean, this was uh, pretty, uh, pretty spot on. You know, like they start off with the ultimate sad white guy song, <laughs> like or sad green frog song. <laughs> sad, sad frog song. <laughs> I mean, I, I, was, I don't think, I don't think Kermit's that particularly sad in his version of, of Once in a Lifetime. <laughs> he seems fairly happy, uh, but you know, I think that's just Kermit the Frog. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we the mindset is, um, we don't like the film. Kind of, you know pushes this idea that this is his last chance mm -hmm. and it does that by throwing flashbacks throughout the film of him divorcing his wife yep. his boss kind of yelling at him and telling him he's got to go and sell stuff and also giving us the exposition of the only reason we're sending you over there is because you know the nephew of the king <laughs> yeah and so it's like okay that's a bit of a stretch but you know like it's unlikely that that would normally come up in general conversation but okay the boss is telling him something he already knows um, which is he's met the nephew, and again yeah. we'll get we'll get little flashbacks to him meeting the nephew, and making him laugh, and you know kind of talking to him with a guy who I'm assuming is meant to be young Tom Hanks. But the yeah. weird thing is, we know what young Tom Hanks looked like because we've been doing this for forty something episodes, and he doesn't look like young Tom Hanks really. I mean, they've given him kind of Tom Hanksy eighties hair. Yeah, they give him um, the the big haircut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't match Tom's hair from the 80s, but it's a start. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we we very quickly get into this kind of routine of every time he walks in, somebody will say, welcome to the uh, Hayat Jeddah. Yep. And and despite, no matter how many times he walks in, the, desk, the person behind the desk will always say that to him all the time. Um, uh, and so... My take of this was like... Uh... That guy was a Filipino immigrant worker, migrant worker. And that's the only thing he knows how to say, is welcome to <laughs> the Hyatt Jeddah. Um, yeah, we get our first continuity or whatever mistake, um, because when, uh, you know, the next, obviously he, you know, he, sleep, he sleeps over and um, he's, you know, extremely tired, very jet lagged. I mean, to be honest, we are like Boston to the Middle East is a very, very long journey. It's like what seven or eight hours flight time plus all the time differences. You would, it would the, okay. the jet lag from that would knock you out for a couple of days. It is brutal. The seven hours um, seem seems pretty okay for an international flight. <laughs> plus all the time zones. By the time you arrive, it's like you know the next day, and you've lost you've lost a ton of time. Okay, um, I, I guess. You know, they're not on the Concorde, where the Concorde could outrun time zones. So it would, you would you would land before you took off, which is really weird. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he, he's extremely jet lagged. He miss he, you know he kind of misses the meeting. He goes to the front desk and he's like, um, you know, can I get a can I rent a car? And they say no, which is wrong. If you have a driver's license for any country, you can rent a car in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but he doesn't have. You, I thought he needed an an international license. I thought that's. The way they do it in Saudi thing. Arabia. 
No, you can you can drive for a year in almost any country on the driving license from your own country. Okay. At that point, then you might have to get like a local license or something. But, you know, generally when it comes to driving, most countries are like, okay, you know how to drive in your own country. It's a car. It's not that different. <laughs> um, but he has to be, you know, misinformed so that we can meet Yusef, who will be his driver. Um, and he, when he meets him, Alan, uh, which is the name of the character, I don't know that yeah. we've ever even set it up to this point. Um, he's sitting in like the reception, watching a bunch of people on TV dancing around in some kind of prayer. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know why that TV is even playing that. Like normally, okay. don't they put like CNN, CNN on in hotel lobbies? Um, but yeah, we get a nice little joke. Uh, where Youssef says that, um, you know, he likes America um, and he says, do you like Chicago? And Alan's like, you know, it's it's OK. Like, I'm not that. and he's like, no, 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 the band Chicago. <laughs> and that is the music that he puts on very, very loudly. Um, and what I like is at first Tom Hanks is like, OK, yeah, you know, like just put it on. And then because of his jet lag, he's like, no, turn it off. I don't like this. <laughs> Uh, we also like before he gets in the car. We get the whole scene with him uh, uh, reattaching the engine uh, because he thinks there's a bomb. They might be a bomb in the car. And yeah, it- there was a running gag where Yusef is having an affair with a married woman, and he thinks that the guy's, you know, the husband might be trying to put a bomb in his car. It, and it doesn't really go anywhere apart from, you know, the kind of payoff is towards, you know, the middle of the film where yep. Yusef disappears because he's got to go into hiding because he thinks this guy's going to come kill him. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it for like a tone that the film like tone setting, it, it just kind of creates this weird tension. That I'm like, OK, is any violence going to happen in this film? Is it a possibility? Like I, 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 I went in completely cold, so I didn't know what sort of film it was, what it was trying to do. So, yeah. You know, okay. We, I mean, this film is probably like, I don't know, the horniest Tom Hanks film we've had since like, I don't know, Bachelor Party. <laughs> like, Yusef is having an affair. Okay. Tom has two different love interests in this, in the, and also he's divorcing his wife. Like, there's a, you know, there's a whole I, I, lot I'd of... I'd say, um, like, Tom's character is not as horny because, like, he, you know, I think he's, like, he turns down that that woman later, but... You know, I think that whole scene establishes that. Like, on two, he did he did not turn her down. He was not able to perform because of the alcohol. That's a set. That's a completely different. He yeah, wasn't like she... being a gentleman and turning turning Hanny down. He was like, I can't get it up, Hanny. And also, we're in we're in the cloakroom of the Danish embassy on the floor and a bunch yeah. of coats. Like, uh, wasn't really the right setting, quite it, frankly. And, and 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 but she he also turns like you know she offers to help him quote unquote and he turns that down as well he's like I think yeah I mean I don't I don't know I like it's I don't know, it's um, what I will say about this is though the love interests are at least age appropriate yeah um you know in some films Tracy Faraway would be the love interest and not the daughter but <laughs> yep. in this one at least uh, Sidney Babbitt Knudsen who plays Hanny is you know. 50 something and so is Sirita Chowdhury they're both like kind of within Tom's age range yeah I think they're 10 years um, apart like at, at, at first I did think like uh, Hanny was a bit too young for him but I think that's just, the actress looks really great for her age oh she does no she is a, she, I mean when I saw her I was like who is this actress what else can I see her in um, and it turns out she's in like a lot of Dutch Danish yeah. you know Norwegian she's in a lot of other films that are in languages that quite frankly I can't be bothered to read the screen um 
but yeah so you know he's going to see um the king that is that's obviously it's in the title he's you know the king of saudi arabia he wants to <laughs> present him with his thing that you know they're going to do for them um and you know they they go to the this place which is like an hour away from the hotel he missed the shuttle bus obviously so he's you know taking um taking the car although the fact that he knows that there's just a shuttle bus from now on should mean he should just get up and get the shuttle bus but yep. instead for the rest of the film obviously Yusef will be his driver and will provide comedy uh, along the way <laughs> um but yeah so you know we we find out that the, the you know his contact is uh, Karim but Karim isn't in town uh, as he's informed by um, Maha, who is the receptionist, God. who doesn't really seem to want to give any information out about anything that's going it, on. They kind um, of, it's, it's kind of almost, this part of the film is like a lost in translation, like mini vignette. <laughs> you know, like he, he's a fish out of water. He's a white guy. He's overwhelmed by a foreign culture. Yes. And his team are in a tent. Uh, and there's one guy on a digger who he keeps saying hello to each time he goes past. Just like he keeps saying hello, how's it going to Maha every time he goes to see her. And she gives him no information. Um, and his team are in this tent off to the side, uh, away from the main building. Um, and they've got no Wi-Fi. Uh, they've got no nothing. Um, you know. And the fact that he arrived late hasn't made that much difference because the king isn't there. And neither is Karim. Uh, so he's got nobody to meet with. Uh, but we do get to meet his team, uh, which is Kaylee, uh, Brad, and Rachel. Uh, uh, Christy Meyer, mostly inconsequential to the plot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Christy Meyer, Mega Macazazo. Mc, Mc, I don't know. She it seems like a bit of a Polish name. Um, and Dave David Menkin, who plays Brad, is probably the only only one who's you know got a career uh, in terms of being an actor. Um, you know, uh, he's 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 been in a few things, uh, including the reboot of Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds Argo, uh, which ran okay, five uh, years from 2015. I, I thought um, you were so, yeah. referring to the uh, Jonathan Frakes movie. <laughs> no, uh, the Jonathan Frakes Abomination, uh, <laughs> yeah. you mean. Yeah. Uh, featuring the hit song Thunderbirds Argo, as sung by McFly, I think. I, I don't know. Um, McFly are busted. It was one of those. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, the team are there and basically they're just going to not do anything for the whole film until yeah, the last like, like five minutes they're in it. Then they, they're they caught in this Kafka-esque uh, loop of nothing happening and like... Yeah. <laughs> well, apart from Tom Hanks falling off chairs, uh, <laughs> yeah. which, which he does in the tent, he falls off a chair. Uh, and um, you know, we we see we at that point we see the flashback to him meeting the nephew, and they're in they're in a bathroom, and he says to says to the nephew, "What do you call a fish with no eyes?" <laughs> and obviously, you know, this very uh, Saudi Arabian man looks at him puzzled, and he just goes, Fish and then of course the guy laughs, and you know, they're firm friends. That's it. That's yeah, why he's that's, here uh, because of that hilarious joke. I, I thought um, the nephew was going to come back, but uh, we never see him again. Like we don't. Like... See what the no. relationship was like at all. I mean, I know, I know that kind of like, uh, you know, Tom Tickwer is kind of adapting the book, but I in the book I have to feel like there's got to be more of the nephew because it makes no sense that like I mean that that Tom Hanks looks young so young that it was from like the early eighties. So you're trying to tell me that like thirty seven years ago he like met the nephew in a bathroom for like five minutes and that's why he's in Saudi Arabia now? Like, it's, yeah, I, I was expecting more flashbacks. We do get more flashbacks, but not of 
the nephew yeah. at any point. It, and I don't think we even meet the nephew in present day. I think the treatment so, of the flashbacks like is a real giveaway that it's based on a book. They're very all the flashbacks are very novelistic. And they just kind of they like when Tom is talking to someone that will just suddenly see a flashback over the top and you still hear the kind the of present and, Tom. Yep, yep. Yeah. So um but yeah, uh he goes to see Maha uh once more and they're like he's you know the the person you need to see is not in today so they take the shuttle back to the Hyatt Jeddah once again we have welcome to the Hyatt Jeddah said uh we find out in flashback that he's divorcing his wife uh, yeah. um and then in what I'm going to call the most controversial nonsensical thing in this entire film <laughs> we see emails between him and his daughter now that's fine emails make yeah, sense on, i yeah. mean 2015 feels like it might have been facebook messenger or something or whatever but anyway or text messages something it's, like it's that a, but, you know, it's he's, an email yeah he's an older guy he yeah. likes to email yep that's not the thing i'm concerned about here's what i'm concerned about aren't you <laughs> his daughter's email address is a hotmail address <laughs> and his address is an outlook address that makes no sense that should be the other way around he should have a hotmail address that he's had for years that you know he never bothered to update to outlook because outlook they've owned hotmail for many many years and i know when you sign up you can choose okay. you can choose to have an outlook ending or you can choose to have a hotmail ending but the daughter would not have in 2015 or any year prior to that yep. have chosen the hotmail ending she would have chosen outlook because that's the default he okay. should have a historical is 21 maybe she like tom hanks like created the email address up for her when she was like <laughs> seven in the 90s or something yeah but why has why has he got a more up-to-date address probably because he's a businessman any... and like the company updated and so on <laughs> no it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever i mean hotmail basically existed as just hotmail for one year before it was taken over by microsoft um you know and then it was it wasn't until like you know 2011 that hotmail was you know phased out and outlook took over um so, quite frankly, he is the one who should have the Hotmail address because he should have got that address 20-something years ago <laughs> and she should have the new Outlook. Anyway, I was like, that's incense me. I'm sorry, but I just can't. I can't. I this I can't, is going to be a bit just about cannot... uh, just like the montage and the exposition about college and how dare he, <laughs> like, uh, I, I, this whole this whole scene is pretty decent. Like I, I like Tom Hanks has some really good eye acting. He's like pretending that he's reading the email while the voiceover is going. Well, on too, that is double Oscar winner Tom Hanks. Yeah, of course. You're gonna get you're gonna get the absolute best eye acting out of him. You're not gonna you don't have to settle for anything with this. Uh, but yeah, so you know we meet uh, we meet uh, Kit, uh, his daughter, as we said, tra played by Tracy Fairaway from the Bling Ring, not that one, and. Uh, you know, they have they have some flashback interactions where he's like, you know, with her at the cafe, you know, where she works because she's working as a waitress. Um, one might say in a cocktail bar. That's not where he first met her. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, and so like, you know, she's she's basically doing that while she's waiting for the money for college. I find this so weird about American college. Like you can do a semester then you run out of money and you just have to wait like a year and then you can go back and continue. Didn't you, you defer semesters or anything like that or over here? Yeah. We get it done in three years, aren't we? We're in and out. Yeah, but you start like, at eighteen, you graduate by twenty-one, you're gone. That's it. We don't unless unless you had to reset A levels, and then you then you would obviously start at nineteen. I I, but, I did my my 
my bachelor's like over the course of like five years, just part time in little pieces here and there. And I can imagine like finishing up a semester and then most people who go to university in the UK, they do it in three years. They start at 18. They finish at 21. That It's done. God. They don't. They don't spend. They don't spend four yeah, years but, uh, on it. They don't spend. T- they don't do it part time. Well, you know, people who do part time are generally people who are like you know, uh, older people. Yeah, parents are, or whatever. You know, right? But I mean, yeah, like it's America, so like they're they're running out of money and. Yeah, but that obviously that's the crux of why he's you know thrown all of his chips in on this last ditch thing is because, you know, he needs the money to send her to college. You know, as the wife says, that's his, that's his thing. You know, like she wants him just to sell the house. But as we saw from the hilarious uh, song at the start, <laughs> I don't think he really wants to, you know. But I, I think eventually, obviously, he will because you know. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to swell the movie now because, like, well, yeah, you know. But yeah, so uh, but at this particular point, you know, um, we you know we go back, we go back, you know, uh, with uh, Yusef back to the, you know, the the basically the dig. The, what, what what will be a city in the year 2025 is just now a desert. Um, with a tent and yeah. a building, um, uh, although there is some construction, but we'll get to that in a little bit later. Um, we'd listen to ELO uh, for the second day going to work, which of course is a reference to Larry Crown. Larry Crown, a big fan of ELO. ELO <laughs> yeah. at the opening, ELO at the closing. It's all about ELO, um, and of course Brian Cranston masturbating. That's what that's what Larry Crown was all about, and also Tom Hanks maybe <laughs> having he... a love interest who's like forty years younger than him. Wait, does he jerk um, off to ELO? ELO? Like in, no, in no, no, no. Those are two separate things, aren't you? Don't confuse them. There is no Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston masturbates to large-breasted women, and he complains that um, that Julia Roberts' breasts are not large enough for him. Basically, uh, you know, he's a man who likes large breasts. Julia Roberts is not in possession of those large breasts. Hence, he spends all day masturbating on the computer and calls it a job. Oh, what a uh, sad, what a you, sad man. You can you can listen to the Larry Crown episode with two other Australians. <laughs> Uh, when we discuss the issues in that particular, uh, I uh, film. actually did listen to that episode, but I, I've already forgotten details about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> As did most people who watched Larry Crown at the cinema. Yep. Um, but at least that made money. This film did not. Um, yeah, so we get to meet Hanne, um, who is played by Sidney Babak Knutson. Um, who, as we both said, is a very beautiful woman for whatever her age is, which I think in this is like 49. Uh, but she does not look that age. In fact, she looks age inappropriate for Tom Hanks. Yep. Um, but that might just be because Tom Hanks is well is settled into his dad bod pudgy phase at this particular <laughs> point. And he's not and, shy about showing it either. Like and, he, and it's telegraphed in this, that he's like middle aged and, and you see his dad later and Scarrett's getting yeah. up there as well. Well, no, we've just seen his dad uh, in the previous scene. We skipped over it, but yeah, he calls his dad and his dad was not happy about outsourcing uh, to China because when he was at Schwinn, he outsourced <laughs> the making of the bikes to China and that obviously led to everybody at home being laid off. We'll see more about that yeah, later on. Like, again, um, but just sort of like, uh, again, just you get a quick <laughs> characterization of like Tom Skerritt. He's a conservative xenophobe is what I got. Like, and he blames his son for globalization. I, d- I mean, I don't... I would say I don't. I don't know that that's completely correct. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say xenophobe. I would just say he's not happy uh, that a bunch of like union jobs in America went because they were too expensive. So he struck me as being maybe a bit more of a centrist, a bit more of a, a union guy. Um, <laughs> you know, not happy at the, the American jobs being lost to China. Okay, I, all um, I remember is like uh, him being really angry and enunciating China in a very <laughs> deliberate way. So that's yeah, my read of it. Um, well. 
I mean, these days it's hard not to hear that word and think of somebody. So, <laughs> yeah. um, saying it in a very particular manner. Um, but yeah, Tom Hanks. We find out in a in a thing that I thought was just going to be a minor side plot and had not really having anything to do with the main plot, mm-hmm. uh, but turns out is mostly what the main plot will be as we go forward. Uh, he has a lump on his back, um, and <laughs> yeah. he decides that he's got to take some action. So he. Uh, gets a match and he heats up, essentially sterilizing a steak knife, you, 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 and he jabs it into his back. You're, gonna, you're um, skipping the fact that he he gets he gets given alcohol by Hanny, and he he's drunk when he does this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Obviously, uh, but yeah. Obviously, Hanny inside the building because she's working on for the actual for yep. the you know for the the sheik for the for the Saudi family, uh, the family of Saud. One might say. Um, she yeah she had you know she smokes uh you know to prove that she's a big girl and she also has alcohol that she gives to him disguised you know and that 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 would also become like a, a little bit of an issue you know like uh, he called the front desk and was like can I get a beer and they're like no can I offer you like a coke and they, he was like okay yeah. and he was like diet coke uh, diet Pepsi sorry it's that yeah. over here I don't know if this is a thing that exists in uh, Australia or too or or even in America but a common thing in in pubs is Pepsi have got like the soft drink fountain thing you know like the little spray yep. thing where you yeah and so people will go in and say can i have a coke and it, like, li- i don't know why but literally every single person behind the bar in every single pub in the entire of the uk will always go is pepsi okay it's like <laughs> buddy i just want a cola but i just said coke instead i'm fine with pepsi <laughs> no just, i'm you know. like a brand out I, I i would i would need some some disclosure that it's pepsi is appreciated well Here's the funny thing. There are some pubs that I know, and these are mostly in small villages, yep. where if you go up and you ask for like a Coke, they don't. They have Pepsi on tap, but they also have cans of Coke in a fridge behind the, the thing yep. so they can give you Coke if you actually ask for it. So, Which I don't think they should do. You know, those are multi-packs. They should only be sold as part of a multi-pack, as it says on the side. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you were but part yeah. of the Coke mafia where <laughs> they got to sell everything <laughs> in a multi-pack. Uh, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. You know, it's it's yeah, basically Saudi Arabia is that, a dry country. Like you can't drink uh, it, alcohol yeah. and so on. Yeah. It's well. There's that thing, isn't it? Where if you're flying like um, Emirates and you're in the air and you go over, once you get like over Saudi Arabia, they'll stop. Like they'll serve alcohol up until the moment you cross into the airspace, and then they <laughs> yeah. stop. Um, uh, which you know, it's kind of amusing. I, I didn't yeah, know the, that. The idea I, is, I've, I've generally flown with uh, Qatar, which is also. Uh, Arabic airline and I, I didn't notice any disgruntled passengers not getting their booze. Yeah, I think generally if you're flying if you're flying with like Qatar Air or if you're flying with Emirates, you generally get very drunk, you know, at the start of the the flight while you're in, you know, international waters or something. And then when you get to Saudi Arabia or whatever, you 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 know, you don't have to worry about having any more alcohol. Um but yeah, so Hani is the supplier for illicit things basically and um, you know, uh, she 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 kind of can get him what he wants. So yes, he's a little bit drunk. He's got this bump on the back of his his body. So he decides to stab it with a steak knife, and then he kind of passes out drunk. And when he gets up, we see this gigantic bloody stain on his sheets, um, <laughs> which he and then probably he throws up on as well. Which is uh, yeah, I, I haven't drunk alcohol in over eight years, but it took me back that moment of like oh waking up and then seeing something gross and just like. Giving in to your bodily need to throw up. I, ho- I hope you haven't just like randomly stabbed yourself in the back with a, <laughs> no. you know, a steak knife at any no. point. Um, you're never that drunk. Um, no. But yeah, so this is where he decides to go and see a doctor. He sees Dr. Zara. 
Um, and um, she uh, she takes a look at it and she says, it looks like it's benign. You know, what did you do? And he's like, you know, some exploration. <laughs> She's like, okay. Um, <laughs> she, you know. she kind of deduces that he's hungover as well. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't say anything about it because obviously she's very discreet. She's a yeah. doctor. Um, but, you know, she she sees him alone, which obviously when he gets back to the car, uh, a, 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 a kind of alarms Yousef because, because generally in, you know, uh, Middle Eastern countries that are extremely Muslim, uh, women aren't allowed to be in the company of men without another man present. Yeah. Um, uh, I think... Uh... And particularly, particularly not married women. That is, that's one of the big things. Like, unmarried women, I think there's not a huge problem with it, but once you're married, you know, mm. Islam. Uh, um, I, like, what's your read on this film as, like, a Westerner? Like, we're getting... I like how... I, I really like how the film sort of... It shows and doesn't tell us, like, the rules of living in Saudi Arabia and what the social customs are. I think they handled that pretty well. Yeah, although I, they also have Yusuf there to kind of get alarmed. Like he's he's asking questions about like you know you saw her alone and there wasn't you know like and stuff like that. So and and he deduces um, that Hanks is hungover as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but you know that's because it's Tom Hanks, a double Oscar winner. If if you want some, you know, if you want someone to put across the idea that they're hungover, Tom Hanks is a man to do it because he's you know been pretty drunk in a lot of films before now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we all remember in Saving Private Ryan where he was just knocking back vodka every five minutes. It was, you oh, know, by the end he was just stumbling around drunk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think, you know, that the like the fact that this is, you know, you know, like uh, we, obviously, we'll, you know, we'll see Mecca later on. Yep. You know, there, there is a lot of kind of, you know, the kind of Muslim culture in here. But like you say, they, you know, they just let it kind of be there. Um, and they don't really kind of get into it too much. Obviously, um, Maha, who is the sec- you know the, the receptionist, is wearing like a headscarf, and mm-hmm. you know, but Hani doesn't wear a headscarf because she's not Muslim. And you know, I think it's, even they wear he- headscarves in public when they're in their offices. Like you, you see, like Tom yeah. Hanks's team, like uh, the uh, the women wear headscarves when they leave the tent, <laughs> and so Hani <laughs> wears a scarf later. When she's in the car and stuff. But again, again, like it's not like there's, you know, as we'll see in the next scene, uh, which is where Hanny invites, um, you know, Alan to a, a party at the Danish embassy, which is yep. again is like, I mean, what I what I like about this is it's like literally Tom Hanks is, you know, obviously his partying days are well behind him. Yeah. His partying days were literally 1984 to like 1988. And one of those was a bachelor party that everybody now knows about. Um and so, like, the fact that he goes to the... And he has to give, like, a password at the door um, and pretend that he's somebody else to get in. And, yeah. like, I thought that was quite funny. Like, it's, you know... Uh, the, like, it's almost like within Saudi Arabia, bearing in mind most of this wasn't... Well, none of this was shot in Saudi Arabia. Yep. You know, this is... A, so this is not... They're not shooting it in a Muslim country. So this, you know, this, there wasn't really kind of any issue with doing that. Um, you know, uh, like... The, the kind of fact that there is there are these parties where people literally are like doing drugs and getting drunk yeah he walks in and there's somebody with like a tray of like shots and he just has to drink one and yeah he stares you know. like daggers at the waitress because he, yeah. he can't believe it because yeah it's so excessive what's happening yeah uh, because obviously you know in a normal daily life everything is kind of repressed and so here they kind of cut loose um, in fact, I was surprised there wasn't a bit more debauchery here. I, would have I, liked I thought if this was been, very like, debauched. Like, you see people snorting, uh, like, some form of drugs, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And but I, 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 
you know, I think we, we should have had a lot more nudity, quite frankly, in this scene. It should have been it should have been a dong fest, is what I, I'm saying. I definitely felt um, a wave of like guilt watching this just from like the contrast <laughs> of what came before, you know what I mean? And uh, it also made me feel really old because I haven't been in to a party like this in forever and I felt I felt really bad for Tom Hanks because he was super old <laughs> being there. Uh, yeah, he's like 50-something. Like, I mean, he's now like, he, what was he, like 60, 61, something like that? Yep. Um, and so when he was shooting this, he would have been, yeah, like 54, 55. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's funny is this did remind me of the parody of a LMFAO video that was done on Key and Peele, <laughs> uh, where Key and Peele play LMFAO, you know, the, the two kind of guys from that. And they're basically stuck in a party that is never ending. It's like an eternal loop. And they keep trying to leave. And every time they leave, they end up back at the same party. And that's what this reminded me of. It's just like a lot of dance music playing and people, you know, some guy standing next to a pool throwing stuff into the crowd. I don't I didn't, I didn't know if that was meant to be drugs or what was going on there. Um, and uh, what we can say, though, is this definitely horns up Hanny, who is like, let's go to the cloakroom and bone. Um, and <laughs> I think she... I think she was running game on him because, like, he was like the first Westerner to arrive, you know, in the office for, for the first time in a while or whatever. Well, we all know that Denmark is a very small country, so there's a strong possibility that she's related to a lot of people in that embassy and obviously can't be boning <laughs> them. So when she sees, you know, fresh meat on the on the on the arrival, um, you know, she's obviously given him the password to get in, and now he's there. She she rips open his his. Um, his shirt popping a lot of buttons off and i was like don't do that to somebody's shirt like and and i felt i felt kind of like embarrassed for him because he's an old dude like like he he (laughs) probably he doesn't have a lot of shirts to spare and he's again he's by this point we've seen tom in the shower like five times in this film like (laughs) he he was literally like a few inches away from showing dong but he didn't um you know so we've seen a lot of tom already in this in this particular film but yeah so they're attempting to have sex and he is not becoming aroused and she's like how about i help you out and he's like yeah not really feeling it we're on the cloakroom we're on a bunch of coats like it's it, it doesn't really feel like the right time to be doing this um you know you don't want to mess up other people's coats with whatever happens at the end of this whole process so you know they kind of kiss and and kind of call it off um, yeah. I thought this was uh, very kind of filthy for a Tom Hanks movie. I was like, Jesus! Like, well, to be honest, I was like, I was trying to think to myself, when was the last time we had a Tom Hanks character who was, you know, you know, down to bone, um, you know, who was who was up for the up for the game? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe nothing in common. Like, yeah, that's a film that opens with him literally like picking up a you know an air stewardess and going back to his flat and having sex. So like. But, like, I was trying to think, like, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, apart from the opening of Turner and Hooch, where he's, like, in his underwear and all oiled up and <laughs> yeah. exercising. I mean, um, yeah, I, think I don't know. Maybe I... Joe versus the volcano? You know, that he gets married on the edge of a volcano with Meg Ryan. And the, I mean, But, like, not on, the, the other Meg... The funny thing about Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan is, in their films, they never get together until, like, literally the last scene. Okay. <laughs> so, so, there's so there's no, no opportunity. Consummating the relationship or whatever. Um, I mean, maybe the Green Mile, you know, when John Coffey cures him and he goes and he, you know, you know, he says to John Coffey, you know, his wife thanks him four times. Well, um, I've never seen the Green Mile, so I, I, I assume. Have you? N- <laughs> I was like, that could that be a bit? I don't. 
Now, in the Green Mile, he has a urinary tract infection. John Coffey, who is the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, yeah, JC, grabs his crotch. Gra- grabs his crotch. Uh, well, there you go. Stephen King couldn't fool you. Grabs his crotch and cures him so he no longer has a urinary tract infection and he go, goes home and bones the wife. And the next day, he brings in, like, some cookies and says, the wife thanks you. And then, you know, because John Coffey's like, was the wife uh, grateful? And he goes, yeah, five times. <laughs> okay, wait, didn't they? I, I, I've never had a, a UTI personally, but c- couldn't you just get penicillin or something for that? Like, surely the this Green Mile is set in, during penicillin was, times. No, it's not. It's, it's not actually. There was, the, the, the year it's set is about three or four years before the, the actual cure was. Okay. Was yeah, so it's actually period accurate. Um, I don't know, maybe Cloud Atlas has got some boning in it. I don't I, like. You know, yeah, Walt I, Disney doesn't bone P.L. Travers in Saving Mr. Banks, so like, there's a lot of films where Tom Hanks I is think, married. I but think he's pretty amorous with uh, what's her name in Cloud Atlas. Uh, Halle Berry. Halle Berry, yes, but yeah, yeah, but like, I think what made this particularly filthy for me is like. They're very frank about, like, what's going on. <laughs> you know, like, hey, you know, they don't use cock. They don't use the word cock and fuck, but it's so frank. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Especially in, uh, I think I felt more tense because it is in Saudi Arabia and it's a lot more conservative. Well, there was an English couple that was arrested for having sex on a beach in Saudi Arabia. Really? So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so they don't have sex. The next day, Yusef picks him up and they decide to listen to a bit of Elvis. And he's like, do you like Elvis? And um, he, <laughs> I think he sarcastically says no, because obviously Elvis is, you know, a very popular singer. Yeah. And so Yusef turns it off. But then I think he mean he was just joking. Um, but yeah, so when he gets to his team, uh, once again, we're back in, the, like we say, we're stuck on this treadmill of the same thing happening every day, but his team are now passed out because the air conditioning isn't working. Um, and you know, they basically are dying out there. So he goes, he goes to see Maha and she says uh, he's in New York. Um, so he goes up, he just walks past her, goes up to the floors. <laughs> yeah. He finds out that honey is not there. Um, and he runs uh, again, into this guy. This moment I thought, uh, they killed her. No, no. I thought it was going to be like, ah, uh, he's you know the protagonist uh, is uh, uh, having it detached from reality. Like she never was there. Like he he gave himself <laughs> the alcohol because you know I this film doesn't really set the tone or explain what's going on at all. And I went in cold. It's just I thought it was going to be that. I didn't. I didn't think that she was part of his imagination, and you know <laughs> that she never existed or whatever. I just thought that. They'd found out about her illicit parties and she'd been killed or something. Oh, okay. um, or, or, yeah, deported. At... Yeah, but it turns out, no, she's just working somewhere else today. Yeah. And he runs into this guy and he's like, who are you? And the guy says, I'm Kareem Alamad. <laughs> and he's like, oh, the guy I've been waiting to see for the last few days that they keep telling me is not here. Um, and he's like, yes, but I've got a meeting and I've got to go. Uh, so he agrees to take him along. Uh, they've got like a fancy sports car because, of course, Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And uh, they drive the sports car over there and they have a bit of discussion where he says, you know, we've got no AC in the tent. We've got no food. We've got no nothing. Um, and Karim is like, OK, yeah, I'll take. I'll get all that stuff weekend. sorted. Yeah. After the weekend, which, of course, is uh, not Saturday, Sunday, but is Friday, Saturday. Uh, he's like, after the weekend, everything will be sorted. And, you know, you'll have you know, Wi-Fi and you'll have air conditioning and everything will be fine. Um, and he takes him to the like the first part of the construction that started on this 
you know, new city uh, where they've got a couple of high rises and they've got like a restaurant and, you know, stuff like that. And Karim says, yeah, you know, some people are actually living out here. Um, and they have a, they they discuss the fact that Schwinn went to China and, you know, does he regret <laughs> yes. that? Because he was I... on the board of Schwinn. And we see a flashback to Tom in front of like a bunch of guys in hard hats <laughs> yeah. in the factory. <laughs> Again, but About this is to like... This is sack this... everybody, I guess. This is the third and third or second time we get it, and you know this. This is what Dad was upset about specifically as well, and they they never yeah. really follow up on it or resolve like like he's angst about. Yeah, well, the thing is, if he was on a board of like a hugely successful, you know, um, company like that, you would have thought that his pension would have been in the millions and he would have been fine. But instead, yeah, he would have like gotten some sort of for... golden parachute or some bullshit yeah you know that's that's the whole thing isn't it you know they they outsource all the stuff to china and they end up making tons of money for the shareholders and they get tons of money because they've got all their stuff tied up in stock so yeah corruption in capitalism or just capitalism working as it's meant to um but yeah, which is why i thought the dad was a bit more left-wing because he's not he's not just annoyed at the the outsourcing he's annoyed at the loss of american okay, jobs yeah i uh, you know that can turn a slightly you know that can end up turning people a bit more right it can be a xenophobia they, of like they took out jobs I think there's element. Yeah. Well, well I think as... there's. I. I'll be honest with you, too. I think the xenophobia is more when they come over and they take your jobs. When they, <laughs> like, if if your jobs have been outsourced, then you're more annoyed that people are losing their jobs because those okay. American jobs that are gone. But okay. if people come over and take your jobs, you know, that's more. I'm, anyway. I'm sure there there would be. I I'm going to politely disagree and say there's probably xenophobia can happen in both contexts. Personally, probably. both sides. Yeah. <laughs> xenophobia Centurism. not these yeah i mean well yeah i like i mean i i think people personally are more vocal about when people come over and take their jobs but then they also say that you know all these people yeah come if people benefits. if they're, they're moving their jobs like, to another country and that that would create yeah. some sort of animosity for sure but you know that's just that's just what companies have to do to make money so uh but yeah so schwinn basically you know everything went to china they made the bikes cheaper uh, does he regret it he doesn't really say uh, but instead, Karim leaves him to take a look around, uh, as, uh, you know, Limp Biscuit would um, tell us to do <laughs> in the film around. Mission Impossible 2. Uh, um, yeah, take a look around. So that's what he does. scared me. Like, I, I didn't know what sort of film it was. I, I thought, and he drives <laughs> away. You see him driving away. And, you know, you, you see him come across, like, he goes, hey, just, you know that scene in Goodfellas where De Niro goes, hey, the good coats are at the back or whatever? The good dresses are at the back? Yeah. And he goes, keep going down the street. I thought... That's what he was doing. I go up to the fifth floor, like and he's wandering around this this empty, sort of like this unfinished building, and I thought the workers were gonna turn and start beating him up. It's just yeah, they know. were having like some kind of fight club situation going on there, which yeah. I, I thought was a little bit weird. Yeah, um, what did you think that was about? Like my my read was like, okay, this is a commentary on the working conditions of all these migrant workers, you know. In, I thought it was just the fact that they're, they're actually, although they've built a couple of towers, they're not actually doing anything, and so they're bored, so they're just having a fight. Okay. <laughs> so it's just a sign that they're not actually doing any work while they're out there. Like, they've started building something, but they've effectively only built the front of it so that it looks like something's being done. Um, and that is that is the kind of confession that we get when he goes and meets Hassan uh, in his nice flat, um, who, of course, okay. offers him something. He says something more tempting <laughs> or yeah. something when he offers him some beer. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a this is a Tunisian accent by who goes by the name uh, Daffa Labadini, um, which uh, which is really weird because he made his acting debut in the UK after going to the Birmingham School of Acting, which is 
you know, like 10 miles down the road from me. So, um, and he starred in Dream Team, which was a, a soap on Sky One about a football team. Um, and he was also he was also in The Bill. Um, so, yeah, he's done he's done a lot of stuff. And then obviously he's appeared with Tom Hanks. It's such a weird kind of uh, he was in Sex and the City 2 as well. And The Da Vinci Code. Um, but okay. I didn't even realize I was in, well. He was in Children of Men and the Da Vinci Code in the same year, but I don't even remember him from the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, maybe <laughs> he was in one of the I've... flashbacks, possibly in in Rome or whatever. Yeah, maybe because there was a lot of people in there. But yeah. Um, yeah, so here he is, and he's basically kind of saying that it's just a mirage, which is appropriate because they're in the middle of the desert. Uh, you know, it, it, Tom's like, "What about the restaurant?" And he's like. Pfft, not really a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's just there, a... so it looks like a restaurant to try and sell things, but we've literally sold nothing to anybody. Um, you know, the whole thing is just, you know, is a mess. Um, and uh, yeah, so he goes back to the, uh, you know, to the hotel once more. Welcome to the re- the Hyatt Jeddah, um, where he gets a bit drunk, um, and the, you know, he, he, he writes the email. Like, does he send it? I can't remember if he does. I think he's in the middle of doing that, but then he kind of has a stroke, and so he calls Yusuf, and <laughs> I think Yusuf calls the, hotel security. He, he thinks um, he has a stroke. It's not that. He's thinking. Stroke. Yeah, that's what I said. He's thinking. He's, he's thinking he's having a stroke. He's got. You know, he's he's kind of passing out, um, and eventually, um, you know, Zara arrives, and she said, you know, she's hidden the booze because obviously she feels that he was just getting a bit drunk, and has probably had a panic attack. Um, much like James Gandolfini, star of Enough Said, which also stars. Um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Tracy Faraway playing Kit. Um, yeah, so much like the first episode of The Sopranos, he's just having a panic attack. It's not it's not a stroke. Um, and Zara's like, stop drinking. Like, just stop drinking alcohol. And if you're going to drink alcohol, don't drink this illicit this stuff. Garbage, this olive yeah. oil bullshit. Yeah, just come and actually have a proper drink with me. Um is is what she's implying, but she doesn't say out loud. But then we find out that Yusuf, uh, the woman he's been having sex with, the husband might try and kill him, so he's got to flee, and <laughs> he's got to go to his home village, um, you know. And, and he picks up his cousin on the way, and his cousin starts yelling because they're going past Mecca. They're effectively going through Holy Land, mm-hmm. and you need and to be. Tom a Hanks Muslim. is an infidel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, did, did you get what was going on before? They explained it because I, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, he's well, you know, like obviously part of the, you know, some of the land is just for Muslims. And yep. uh, according to IMDb trivia, uh, this is not correct fully, but, you know, sort of right. You know, like if they stop you, they will ask you about, you know, the Quran. You know, and that's why he kind of goes to him, put on this headscarf. And mm-hmm. if anyone asks, tell them about your favorite Quran verse, which obviously he doesn't know. Yeah, it was a, so, I, I thought that was actually really funny. It was like, he, yeah. like Hanks had a really worried look on his face in response. Uh, and we get to the, we see the mosque in Mecca. And obviously it's a very holy site. There's a lot of people praying. Yep. Uh, looks like somebody sent a drone up into the air and just shot some footage of people praying in unison. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, the theory that it could be stock footage might be right because, you know, you, you kind of have to get permission to film in there and stuff. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing somebody got permission like 10 years ago, whatever, and people just use that footage. Uh, this, it, it maybe it's a footage particularly... uh, Spike Lee shot for Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like they're particularly there because there's just them in a car with a p- bunch of yeah. people around them on a street, and they're just looking in the direction of, of this this mosque. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's. It, I don't know. It, it, it like it's kind of one of the few places where it felt like they were 
kind of cheaping out a little bit in terms of like you know just put a few cars around beeping and have some people knocking <laughs> yeah. on the window and you know make it look like it's a crowded yeah, street I, somewhere i think i think this probably isn't saudi arabia obviously i think this no know, it's morocco yeah yeah, yeah but this is this is one of the few times in the film where i felt like I don't know. Just it just felt a little bit kind of like fakey to me because it's like, oh, here's like a helicopter shot of people praying. Mm-hmm. Here's some guys in a car looking in that direction. <laughs> like, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Once they eventually get to the village of um, uh, Youssef, uh, Tom Hanks falls off a chair again, which is this is the third time he's done it. Uh, he did it when he was with Hanny as well. When great, he met her great and he screenplay writing <laughs> rule of three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, this this kind of actually will prompt him to kind of revisit the doctors um, again because obviously they you know they took a biopsy, so he'll find out the results of that later. There's some, I mean, I didn't particularly find this part of the film that interesting. The stuff at the village where they got the guns, and then there was some I, like night, I, again, night like day. I I was tense, a little tense because like I thought, mate, you know, he angers that guy for taking photos and. Uh... Yeah, there's a whole thing where they're like, are you working for the CIA? And he's like, yeah, sure, just, you know, on the the weekends. Uh, And they don't get the joke. Um, Understandably so, because, like, you know, what happens over there and stuff. And, like... So, yeah, so, like, I mean, I guess it's kind of a little bit of, like, you know, the ugly American... You know, like he's he like he's just doing stuff that he would normally do of, like, taking pictures of stuff he likes and not really thinking about the local culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and yeah, so you know, Yusef has to kind of reassure people: no, he doesn't work with the CIA. Uh, um, I also thought then, it was like, uh, like them sort of doing a, a co- like a parody of the third degree a Muslim person would get in a Western country. You know, yeah. like you're taking all these photos. Like, are you, are you here on vacation? Are you, you know, so on and so on. Funnily enough, that has happened to some British tourists where they went somewhere and they started taking pictures of like military planes. Yep. And they were arrested and they had to explain that they were just plane spotters who just like to take pictures <laughs> of planes. And uh, the, like, the British government had to be like, yeah, they're just dorky people. They're not people trying... Like, they're, <laughs> they're not, not spies for, or like, some sort of... Yeah, yeah they're not, there's no espionage going on. It's just a bunch of dorks taking pictures of aeroplanes because they like aeroplanes. Um, but yeah, so goodbye, Youssef. That's a picture wrap on Alexander Black. Okay, who like... Is, but before we before name. he goes, like we get this whole yes. uh, scene of like him asking Tom Hanks, would would he or America help him if he starts a democratic revolution? I thought they were going to follow up on all that stuff, and I think they're still friends. Yeah. And but yeah, they don't really go into like I thought. Well, again, I thought this have... was going to have like a political th- thriller edge to it or something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Yusef obviously can't go back and he can't be his driver anymore, but that yeah. doesn't really affect Tom Hanks because we're near the end of the film and basically, you know, there's only like two more meetings and then everything's done. So, you know, that wasn't really like... I thought that was going to be a sticking point, but like he gets dropped off by a different guy the next day yeah. and the guy's like, you know, he's like, you wait for me and he's like saying something in Arabic and he's like, you'll wait for me, won't you? And he just doesn't understand him. So just to show that you know Yusef was a good was a good guy basically yeah. um this guy's not playing yeah. you're the inspiration on an empty free player <laughs> no he's not uh he goes to the doctors uh he sees a different doctor uh he sees dr haddad i think it is is the is the name of this doctor um who is like yeah we need to you know your, your, your man, wife came course, back and... yeah it's precancerous we need to cut it out as soon as possible um we'll do it we'll do it soon um and tom hanks is like okay Where's the fit doctor? Where's the hot doctor? Where's she? Uh, and then he unintentionally um, kind of 
goes to find her and and walks in on her um, crying. You know, yeah, she's uh, I, th- I I I think it's because obviously we find out that she's going through a divorce and it's a difficult divorce and obviously Tom Hanks yeah. is like. Pfft bitches and am i right um yeah because he's also, he's he's also being in the like same... a bit of a creep here like you see someone crying in a doorway and you're in a country where like men aren't supposed to be like along with women like yeah don't do that tom hanks you weirdo yeah and also she was wearing all black as well uh when she's been doing a doctoring she's been wearing white um, as is the tradition with doctors they wear yeah, white. I think I think later she says that she came straight from the courthouse, so that might be her court get up or whatever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's dressed. She's not dressed like a doctor. Mm. Um, you know, she's. I don't know what she's. You know, she's. She's just. Yeah, it's, she's going through a divorce. Uh, this is kind of the start of them. You know, uh, the start of their romance, where they both. You know, he finds out she's getting <laughs> a divorce. He's getting a divorce. You know. When two people are getting a divorce, then things will happen. Um, but yeah, um, so welcome to the hologram. Here we are. We're like, I don't know, an hour and ten minutes in. Um, oh, the king like, is finally here. I, I I was really relieved to see the king, actually, because I thought it was <laughs> going to be like an absurdist comedy where like nothing happens for the rest of the film and it just stays like it just gets more frustrating and... He dumps yeah. out sand out of his shoe every day in the hotel room. He showers. Yeah, quite quite frankly, I would be very annoyed if that is what this film turned out to be because those type of things really annoy me. Um, <laughs> but in this case, the tent has been upgraded. They've got AC, they've got Wi-Fi, they've got catered meals. Everyone's bloody happy. They're all loving it and they're ready to make their presentation. They do a test and we see a hologram of Ben Wishaw um walking around showing the limits of where he is um i don't know how this technology works doesn't look real but you know it's a film so <laughs> so i guess we'll go with it i don't know why for like i don't know why this teleconferencing is particularly important um so <laughs> yeah, like I, I think i my whole time i was thinking i was like just new zoom you weirdos i, I guess maybe like obviously because they're billionaires or whatever like yeah the hologram would be pretty pretty cool yeah i guess and i'm sure they you know the company that tom hanks has worked for has probably spent millions developing this thing and then can't sell it to anybody because it's super expensive <laughs> so you know here they are and the team are like yeah we've got it working and they do the presentation where where Ben Weshaw throws stuff and the holograms and they go through they don't hit the guy and you know uh, the guy says six and stones can hurt me but not holograms or whatever and I'm like this is just the worst presentation I've ever seen yeah. but the the holograms working and that's the only bit that's important is that the hologram works and so I was like okay that's you know it's it's nice but here's the thing you can here's there's like a little app you can buy where you can have holograms on your phone. What it does is it projects an image and what you need to do is put like a little plastic kind of like um, uh, it's like a pyramid with the top cut off. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. What, I don't know what that shape is called. It's like a, I don't know, uh, parallelogram uh, hedron. Um, and anyway, it works by projecting it onto the plastic and it looks like it's like an upside down plastic cone and it looks like the, whatever you're projecting is actually inside the cone. Oh, okay. And it looks like it's a it's yeah. So there's no plastic for this to project off. It's just projecting into the midair. Yeah. So I have no idea how this hologram thing is working. But, you know, ABBA have got a show where they do all this. So I guess holograms are here and they're here to stay. R.I.P. Biggie and Tupac. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I'm sure both of whom, someone, if somebody could make it happen, they'd have both of them touring. I know Tupac was done in hologram form, but, you know, they've obviously discussed stuff about Prince being turned <laughs> into a hologram. And Prince, before he died, was like, do never turn me into a hologram. He saw the Tupac thing was like, don't ever do that to me. Yeah. So, but at the same time, if there was a Prince show and there was a hologram of Prince playing stuff, I probably would go and see it. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's different with ABBA because they're still alive. Yeah, but, that, that, you know. yeah, which is a rip-off. Like, just fucking go out on tour, you, you weirdos. Uh, <laughs> on two, they, they both, they married each other and divorced each other. Like, the second half of ABBA's, you know, discography is just divorce songs about <laughs> how much they hate each other. That's what Knowing You, Knowing Me is. It's about divorce. They hate each okay. other. That's what Money, Money, Money is about. It's about divorce and the other person getting a lot of money. Money, Money, um, Money is pretty early in their career before, before the I divorce. don't know. I... I don't know where the line is. There's a line, though. There's a line where everything pre that is not about divorce, and then every single song after that is about divorce, as far as Abra concerned. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the presentation is made. But then, at the same time, we see, that, you know, maybe there's some Chinese people who are also going to make a deal. And maybe, um, you know, um, maybe Alan's been wasting his time trying to make this presentation. <laughs> so that's why they were in a tent was because the chinese government are basically going to do the same thing so mm. you know alan's past comes back to haunt him uh, and once again he rejects hanny he's like sorry but i've met this hot doctor yeah. and you know she may be older than you but you know she's also seems hotter than you so you know i think, Hanny's I think pretty hot, both but... actresses uh, are like a year apart i think yeah they are and they are they are also both very hot so <laughs> you know but uh, yeah, but one of them has got, you know, two stars. Uh, sorry, no, one of them has got three stars on Mr. Skin. This film has got two stars. Great nudity, uh, which we're about to get to because after the presentation and after Alan <laughs> realizes he's wasted his time. You are a creep. <laughs> Thanks for introducing Mr. Skin ratings to me, something I did not know. Well, well, this, well, Alan has his lump removed and a different doctor's going to do it. But then yeah. uh, Zara shows up at the last minute and she's like, I'm going to take it out. Sorry, I took a little bit longer to get here. And of course, he then makes a joke about maybe she left, her, you know, a glove a in glove, his lump. Yeah, a glove. I, I yeah. didn't see this whole romance turn coming at all. Did you? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But then the thing is, when when you've got Sarita Chowdhury as like just like a doctor, I'm like, this is a bit of a big, like, it's a bit of a small role for her. And then obviously the role gets bigger as the film goes on. I was like, oh, now this makes sense. Now this is effectively a rom-com about a guy going to Saudi Arabia, wasting a bunch of money. The company's going to go under. Everyone's going to be out of a job. Like, literally, he achieved nothing on the job front. But he almost boned Hanny. And now he gets, yeah, he gets to go to, he gets to go to Zara's house, uh, you know, because they meet up. Um, and you know they they have a few emails back and forth, and then she's like, "I'm getting divorced. It's very hard." And he's like, "Okay, you know, let's let's meet up." They go to her house, which is gigantic, and by the sea. I think <laughs> and, it's her beach house as well. Like, I think she might have yeah. two houses. Well, either way, she's like, "Let's go swimming." Um, and of course, Tom Hanks is like, "Any opportunity for me to just put on some trunks and basically get almost naked? Uh, I am there. Been doing this since Turner and Hooch, baby." Um, and so he goes topless, but so does she. And they do some topless snorkeling. Yeah, I, um, it's. I, I thought it was again just reinforcing like the Saudi Arabia. Sorry, reinforcing the Saudi Arabia setting that like she goes topless, so she can pass as a man from a distance. Yeah. Which so again, the, so the neighbors it, won't gossip. 
Yeah, which I mean, would, don't you think they'd gossip if there was two men swimming out in the in in like the the lake or the ocean where they are? Apparently not. No. It's a completely. It's just two dudes scuba diving. Not, not yeah. these two people going on a secret date. Yeah, and of course, after you've gone swimming uh, for a while, uh, the the next thing you do is you tell the other person, "I haven't boned in a while," um, <laughs> and she says, "I haven't boned in a while. Let's get down to some boning." Um, and we get what I think is the first, like, Tom Hanks sex scene since, I don't know, Toy Story 2? Like, you, you didn't I Google that I, on Mr. Skin no, with the, no, the no, Tom no, no. Hanks date of aging cream. I mean, Mr., Mr. I mean, Tom Hanks does get three stars on Mr. Skin, great nudity. But that's just because of Turner and Hooch. But like, like I said, most of the rom-coms Tom Hanks has been in never, ever get to the point where they're having sex and all yeah. the other films where he's married like you know Road to Perdition or Green Mile yeah this is this is probably the first sex scene that he's done since Green Mile and Green Mile was the first time he did a sex scene wait so this is Green Mile the... he, he has a sex scene like post UTI is that the sex scene yeah yeah <laughs> and oh no wait no this is also Bonfire Bonfire of the Vanities he also had like a sex scene in that as well okay um, with Melanie oh and, Ma- and, the Man- and the man with one red shoe that's the first one with Carrie Fisher um, so yeah, those are like the, literally like those three films. Are the only ones. This is like only the fourth time he's had like a sexy, and this is the most explicit of them. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty, uh, pretty racy and uh, intimate. Uh, well, Mr. Skin said two stars. Great nudity. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but obviously we also see that there's like a you know plaster on his back where the lump was. Um, and in his emails, he said, you know, he's got more energy, he's feeling more enthusiastic, and he can't, we can't blame, you know, anything on the lump now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and he talks about this kind of camping trip that he went to with his, was it uncle or his grandfather? It was his dad, actually. Yeah. Oh, it was his dad. Yeah. Um, noted xenophobe. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Tom, how, young, like, young Tom Scarrett. Yeah, they they duct taped two um, sleeping bags together, and they slept out on, you know, under the stars. Um, and we then get the final email to his daughter, where he's basically like, "I'm boning this hot chick," yeah, and also like she's got a gigantic house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got a gigantic house, and now I'm working for the Saudi government and making tons of money. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's basically a non-stop bone fest. Uh, population, <laughs> Tom Hanks. He does not Sarit. say non-stop bone fest. He they does not no. write that. <laughs> no, yeah, Dave Eggers is too classy for nonstop bone fest. Um, but that's where it is, basically. He's now, instead of like obviously he's impressed, um, you know, uh, Karim and uh, and others, and so he is, you know, he's going to be working for them and uh, you know trying to sell stuff to people, trying to sell all these flats that they've built yeah. and all the shops and everything. And while he's doing that, on the other side of it, he's going to be boning this doctor, uh, you know, on the weekends that are Friday and Saturday. <laughs> Not Saturday, Sunday. Um, so, you know. And and that's how the film ends. He's like, you know, I'm happy. I've got a new job. I'm making tons of money. I, I think it's not... It, Later. He's not making tons of money because he says, like, they're not out of the woods with, like, her college fund and so on. But yeah, he's but doing okay. I think that's he's more, of, that's more of an indictment... That's more of an indictment on the fact that American college is ridiculously expensive. Yep. He's probably making a lot of money, but it's just not enough to pay for American college. Um, but yeah, you know, he's found he's you know he's now he's now successful. Like the deal he went out there to do is uns- it was unsuccessful, but he managed to find himself a hot doctor who is willing to swim topless with him. So 
the dream, quite frankly. And also, not in that, but he's also got a line to booze as well. So, like, he can still he can still get booze, <laughs> even though he's in a country that he's not meant I to think, get booze in. I think it's implied that, like, he's not going to continue drinking. He's going to give it up. Yeah. He's with the doctor. She's probably going to just tell him, hey, don't drink, you idiot. It's bad for your health. Well, she did. She explicitly told him that to his face yeah. when he, like, had a panic attack. Um no, but I, think, I don't know if he's going to take I take that advice. I think, like, uh, you know, it's implied that, you know, he's turned his whole worldview around, so he's not going to rely on alcohol as, like, a means to escape. This film was well-reviewed, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Not, 70%? Not, oh, really? Yeah, not quite fresh. Not ju- It's just a tiny... It needed, like, one more percent to be fresh. Um... Although on Metacritic, the review was like 58 out of 100. Like, it's a bit more mixed. Yeah, I can't imagine, like, a Tom Hanks audience, like, being into this movie. I don't know, because this feels like kind of um, dad fantasy. Like, the idea that if you're in your 50s, you can just go to a foreign country, meet a hot doctor, get a job working for the extremely rich Saudi family, (laughs) and just basically have it all. Like I I wouldn't call it a dad fantasy. Well, a divorced dad fantasy, then. Because he also gets to divorce his wife, <laughs> no, who's obviously a pain. No way. Um, I think it's more—it's more about a second act, you know, after you know, getting your life fucked up by divorce and so on. Yeah, and clearly not a clearly not a good divorce because his wife just screams at him to sell their house so they can basically move sells, yeah, move on no, with their lives. Yeah, it's it's not a good divorce. They use a talking head song, like that's the ultimate indication yeah. of like white guy angst. Same <laughs> as it ever was. Uh, so I think we've said about as much as anybody, apart from maybe Dave Eggers, will ever say about a hologram for the king. Uh, so I feel like we need to judge it. And at this point, I think everyone knows it's either T. Hanks or no T. Hanks. And I preface that by saying in recent times, I have given T. Hanks to films that I'm literally never going to watch again. Um, so stuff mm-hmm. like Charlie Wilson's War and, um, you know, uh, saving Mr. Banks, Bridge of Spies, T. Hanks, all to them, but I'm never going to watch those films again for the rest of my life uh, because I've already seen them all now twice. Don't need to see them ever again. Um, in this case, obviously, the first time we watched this film was today. Neither of us saw this at the cinema because it wasn't <laughs> released over here and it wasn't released in Australia, definitely. So Okay, really? Yeah. So wow. it, it was released in America. It bombed so hard that basically they never released it anywhere else and they just sent it straight to DVD everywhere, uh, which is a rare thing for Tom. Um, you know, like it's rare that his films don't get cinematic releases, but you know, this one, I mean, they, they set it up for failure by putting out before a, a Marvel film, like a week before Marvel film comes out. Same with Age of Adeline. They put that out one week before Age of Ultron and they expected it to make some money. I don't know, but Ugh. like, you know, a Harrison Ford film that lost money basically. Um, but yeah, so, you know, as I said, like, you know, if we're never going to watch the film again, we can still say T. Hanks, but, uh, you know, T. Hanks, no T. Hanks on to. Uh, you know, going into this film called, I was like, I had some kind of bad, low expectations. And, you know, I know I, I knew it didn't do well at the box office and I, and I had no idea what the fuck it was about. But upon finishing it, and I, I think it's like a definite T. Hanks uh, because, like, you know, I, I think uh, I, I just really love the scenes with uh, Sandita Ch- uh, Chowdhury and... Uh, Tom Hanks together, they got really good uh, chemistry and, you know, the sequence where they're swimming in the ocean is just really beautiful, actually. It's just like, very intimate and, like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that Sen, 
Sanita actually agreed to do that. Oh, sorry. Sarita Chowdhury agreed to, like, shoot that scene. Like, yeah, it's a... It's kind of, it's a, it's a pretty solid film. I can see why it bombs because it's not like a typical Tom Hanks movie at all. And it's, it's basically, you know, like it's an art house film basically. And yeah, it's about Tom Hanks going out to Saudi Arabia. I can imagine, I can't, I, I can totally imagine why the American public weren't interested in, in this film. Yeah, I mean, I would say T Hanks for me as well, but obviously with the proviso that I probably am never going to watch this film ever again. Uh, even if Mr. Skin does feel it has great nudity, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's not going in the. I, well, I, I, I mean, I think as well the fact that Sarita Chowdhury does kind of do the topless swimming and stuff, and you know, obviously because you know she is an older woman and older in the very kind of broadest sense of like I think, most actresses. I think even Hanks agreeing to shoot like that sort of like intimate a sex scene. Yeah, at, at both their ages yeah. is pretty incredible. And I think if this film had been marketed yeah. more as like a, 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 in the romantic comedy vein and if it was kind of more obvious that she was going to be kind of like the co-star, um, then maybe it <laughs> would have been a bit I more successful. I think if they marketed it as a rom-com, it would have would have not been as successful because it doesn't really deliver on that front at all. Well, I, I mean, I'm just talking about a trailer. In a trailer, you could probably sell it, you know, with some more of the kind of like the meet cute of the him, her being the doctor and then, you know, the kind of the, the emails backwards and forwards. There's stuff in this that you could you could pull out and sell it as a rom-com. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, the I think the trailer, uh, you know, was like once in a lifetime and Tom Hanks looking puzzled at everything that's happening. And, you know, there are some very nice shots of like, uh, you know, you know, obviously the very yellow desert, the blue sky, like, you know, it's, yep. you know, Morocco obviously looks very beautiful. It's very hard, you know, to, you know, Tom Tickwe is, you know, he's a, he's an accomplished director. And, you know, his cinematographer, you know, they've worked together for so long. They obviously know how to do stuff. And it looks really nice. And you're like, oh, this is, you know. Um, you know, it's a nice looking film and I would also say that title is like unappealing to to just to man. Like I, I a hologram for a king, for for the king is a terrible title. Like uh Yeah. And the book wasn't big enough for it to like they should have just changed the title of the goddamn film. Well I but the thing is like I don't know what you would call it, but also yeah, like I, you know, uh, this film was so successful that basically uh Tom Tickworth hasn't directed a film since <laughs> and oh, you know the yikes. last thing he did was the music on matrix resurrections like you know um so yeah but i like it i mean you know tom is is kind of amiable enough in it and obviously there is a, there are a few things where it's like he um you know like the the fact that he keeps going you know like he gets stuck in that loop of constantly going back and being like you know, is is Karim in today? Is he in today? Is he? And he's like, no, he's not here. And he's not here. He's he's in the he's in you know the king's in um, Yemen. Is like the response every single time. The king's in Yemen. The king's in, like, mm -hmm. and when when his team ask him, you know, is the king here today? And he's like, no, he's in Yemen. You know, like he's in Riyadh. Like the king's always somewhere else. And you know that kind of absurdist kind of comedy of like constantly doing the same thing over and over each day, and you know the different music <laughs> yeah. that Yusef plays for him, like the different groups and stuff, and like the whole all of that is kind of yeah, funny, but, and I think it could have been sold more comedically, um, but just yeah, but the film doesn't really pay off any of that. It's not, no, it's not. Well, this is the it's thing. Funny. It's the, like the comedy part of it finishes when Yusef leaves, and then it just turns into a corporate presentation. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then this love story, yeah, yeah. a, a rom-com kind of pops up out of nowhere after this guy gets a, you know, a, pre, a kind of precancerous lump removed. Like there's so many different like the, the lump thing I thought was just going to be like 
not really there and in his mind and metaphorical. But no, the lump is the most realistic thing in this entire film, uh, you know, because obviously holograms like that don't exist. And, you know, so like and even even the Saudis are admitting that like this, this, you know, massive city that they want to have built by 2025 isn't real. You know, it's just a facade at the moment. It literally is just a, a mirage in the de desert. Um, and I think there might have been some more commentary to have been said about that. But then you have Youssef and his affair and he's, you know, like when she calls and he talks in a funny voice and Tom Hanks takes the mickey out of him. It's like, it feels like this wants to be a buddy comedy. Like it, it, this really wants to be like Vince Vaughn and mm. Owen, Owen, Owen Wilson, but it, it isn't. It's Youssef and Tom Hanks. And it's <laughs> like, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it I, I can see where, like, it could have been, like, a dramedy in the way of, like, white guy gets to know a foreign culture and, like, he becomes really close friends with Yusef and he changes his perspective on the Arab world and stuff. But, like, it doesn't really follow up on any of that at all. <laughs> no, well, there's a lot of dangling threads. And then in the end, it turns into uh, Alan and Zara boning. And that's, like, uh, this wasn't, no, there was no, none of this at the start of the film. The start of the film, he was a sad sack salesman. You know, it was almost like Willie Loman, death of a salesman type thing. And then it turns into a rom-com halfway through because a guy's got a lump took off his back. Uh, you know, which, uh, all of that would work in a novel because you can introduce elements in a novel and kind of drop them a little bit and then kind of bring them back up, with, you know, like uh, in passing. And you could you could do all kinds of things. You've got the, you've got the space. But in this film, it's like it feels like there's maybe, I don't know, like a quarter of the novel that wasn't adapted and was just kind of left and we've got this film that has like a, a number of things that just kind of like suddenly happen and you're like okay and then like you know he's got a daughter zara's got kids but like there's we never see zara's kids and we don't see the daughter after just the one single scene that she's in and again like the wife appears she's there for 30 seconds she yells at tom hanks she disappears like there's lots of tiny little bits and pieces where it's like i you know I don't know if it's meant to be a full full out comedy or if it's meant to be a, like a dramedy, which, you know, that was what it said on the poster for uh, Nothing in Common. It said, it's a drama. It's a comedy. It's a dramedy. Um, yeah. And, and you know, this is uh, this is kind of about as horny as Nothing in Common as well. You know, that's, you know, that's the last time Tom <laughs> Hanks was this horny in a film, you know. Um I mean, outside of having an affair with Melanie Griffiths in Bonfire of the Vanities. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to say, like, I don't think he's horny in this film at all. I think... <laughs> he definitely is. It's not like he's trying to bone There's, like, two women. There's one woman he almost has sex with, and another woman he definitely has sex with. Yeah, he turns down. He turns her down. <laughs> turns her down multiple times. He's he's looking for intimacy. Right, yeah, but, what, like... <laughs> Again, like that's like that's like an element that suddenly comes in for the last twenty minutes of the film, and you're like, I don't know what this film is meant to be. It's kind of choppy. It's worth watching because it's a beautifully shot film, yeah. And there's a few great, you know, great performances in there from Tom Hanks and from Sarita Chowdhury, um, and even from you know Alexander Black, as he previously was known. You know, like there's, there's some nice. Yeah, he's he's really really good in it, and he holds his own with Hanks, yeah. like playing, uh, like he's funny. He can play it straight when he needs to with Hanks as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, what they needed to do was make this film in the 1990s, set it in Canada, and have John Candy play the role <laughs> of the guy driving Tom Hanks about in a foreign culture. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's so many di different elements, and I don't feel like any of them worked, and I can kind of understand why after one week everyone was like, we're going to see Captain America, we don't want to see this Tom Hanks film. Um, yeah, you no. know, All that's left, really, at this point is for Tom Hanks to finally join the Marvel Universe as something. Um, you know, I don't know who he could be cast as because, <laughs> quite frankly, I'm not a geek and I don't care about comic books. So, you know, 
just cast him as somebody, put him in, put him in the MCU. Let's have Tom Hanks make billions of dollars. But uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that I would pick him for. But may all come to me later. Yeah. So you know, worth watching. But I, like I say, I'm probably never going to watch it again. Um, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I will say it's hard to get over here as well. Like I, I had to rent it on Apple TV. You know, it's not a popular film, is it? So <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. Why? Why would you pick up the distribution rights for it? Yeah. Um. So well, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug onto? Uh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna make like a bit about my anti Mister Skin Twitter handle. Uh no. Uh. Uh, yeah, just follow me on... Actually, uh, so I'm starting a new podcast. We're covering the uh, X-Men cartoon series. Uh, just follow follow me at mapxpod at Twitter to find out more. But it should be coming out soon, or it's probably going to be available when this episode comes out. So you are yourself joining the MCU? <laughs> I'm joining the MCU, no. No, I, I wish I had MCU money, but... Well, I mean, you are technically, because they're they're doing some more episodes of the X-Men series, aren't they? But they're Yeah, it's coming down the yeah. line. And I guess, like, uh, the X-Men cartoon could count as the multiverse. Yeah, but yeah be part, well, I mean, not wanting to spoil anything for Doctor Strange, but, yeah, that Professor X in the yellow in the yellow thing appeared in... Yeah, I, I'm sure, like, by the time this episode comes out, everyone would have figured, yeah, heard about yeah. that. So, well, you can find us on Twitter at T underscore FT Memory. Uh, extremely awkward to remember. Thanks for joining me to talk about this particular hologram. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for enlighten me about the Mr. Skin ratings, Darren. <laughs> uh, well, I hope that this has not sullied my reputation. Uh, but the next film we're going to be talking about, it's definitely going to be super solid. And you may find yourself without a beautiful house, without a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, well, how did I get here? Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was.